Amen. Grab a seat. My goodness, that was fire worship, man. Give it up for the worship team again, man. That was awesome. Wow. 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 <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man, that was beautiful just to watch you guys go after God that way. And we know that this thing is not just going to stay in this room, but it's going to overflow. It's going to go home with you. It's going to go into your schools with you, your neighborhood. I believe the fire on the inside of you is going to shift things in your home. We're going to see a spirit of revival break out at home. It's going to break out at high school and junior high. We're going to see a move of God break out. You guard the fire. You guard the flame. You guard it. You just were given the work of God on the inside of you. It's like a billion dollars given to you. You guard it. You don't let the enemy steal it. You guard that flame. You steward that flame. You throw logs on that flame. You get around people that are going to call you deeper into God and stay in, instead of getting around people that ask the question, how much can we do and stay saved? You want to get around some people that push you into God. So some of you got to make radical uh, statements in this kind of season. You get these moments where the funk is knocked off of you. And in this moment, you got to make radical decisions, decisions like deleting certain apps from your phones. It looks like something. All right? It looks like deleting apps. It looks like deleting numbers. It looks like disconnecting and people that you've known your whole life and you hang out with all the time, you're going to begin to say, man, i got to go in a different direction. I love you. We're awesome. But, man, I'm, uh, God's marking my life, and i got to be obedient to it. It's going to be a little bit of a sting right now, but it's nothing compared to the big sting of letting that fire get quelched and all you have is a memory of this weekend. There's nothing worse in the world than having a memory just a long time ago and it's not reality today. You don't want memories of what happened a year ago. So you got to guard the fire, delete apps, delete numbers, begin to distance yourself and say, God, give me some friends that will actually push me into you instead of pull me away from you. God, I want to find those people. You ask God, he'll bring them to you. Right now, they're probably sitting right next to you right now. I'm telling you, this is what repentance looks like. It's more than a sad altar call. It's more than feeling bad at the altar call. It, it looks like real decisions in your life. Most of the people that I was so concerned about in high school, I don't remember their names today. Think about it. Do you even remember their names? No, maybe. I don't even remember what they look like. What I'm saying is this. The people that you're so afraid of today, you won't even remember them in 10 years. So why are they controlling your emotions today? Why are they controlling your thoughts today? Why are they controlling your decisions today? You won't even remember them in 10 years. All right? That's just Dad Corey screaming at you for a second, all right? <laughs> all right, I'll keep it going. Well, I want to see some deleting of apps happening. 
I don't want everybody to get excited. Everybody pull your phone out. That, that app that needs to go, delete it. Brother, chill, man. Chill out. No, it looks like something. We're not playing. The devil isn't going, okay, well, it's cool. They got on fire. That's fine. No, no. It says that the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he looks for opportune times and opportune seasons to sneak back in and to pull you back into that old addiction or into that old relationship or into that old group of friends. And you got to get smart. Paul says we're not unaware of the enemy's schemes. Yeah, I can't go there just yet. Jesus. All right, I got radically saved in 1997. Most of y'all weren't even born yet. Nobody was born yet. Most of y'all weren't. It's okay. I grew up, like many of you, going to these conferences, getting touched by Jesus, and I didn't know him in a real way. And I went throughout the high school years, giving myself to athletics. And once I graduated high school and athletics was out of the equation, I had an identity crisis. I didn't know who I was anymore. I go off to college and I feel that area with the drugs and all the stuff that this world has to give you. Went as deep into that as I could. After my first year of college, I came home for my first summer and I got my first DWI. Driving while intoxicated, I couldn't afford to go back to college where I was at. So I ended up getting a, an apartment with my good friend in that home area. My friend was homeschooled till ninth grade. His mom's a fiery praying woman. Come on, somebody. Who's got some, who's got some praying mamas? You're all here because of praying mamas. Thank God for praying mamas. Devil come out or I'm coming in after you kind of women. They anoint everybody with oil. They pray in the Holy Ghost all the time. These were before essential oil, so they're just candles burning everywhere. I'd come at my friend's house, high as a kite, three in the morning. She'd be waiting at the door. Corey, you can come in, but you leave your demons out there. Stayed at his house another night, put my head on the pillow. I go, what? She had put anointing oil all over the pillow. <laughs> Anoint his ears, Lord. Anoint his ears. I got my, so we're, he was homeschooled until ninth grade. Once he hit public school, he went crazy in the world, and we ran together. I came home because I got a DWI. We get an apartment, and we're doing the drugs that keep you up three or four days a week. Just getting out there as far as we can get out there. But when you got a praying mom like that, it's T minus 10. It's T minus 10. And it happened. And for four months, my friend lost his mind. He just stopped talking. We didn't know what to do with him. You just took him everywhere you went, but he didn't talk. You ever had a friend that just stopped talking for four months? Like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, we just throw him in the back seat and... Me and other dope heads would talk about his intervention. So, you know you're in bad shape when dope heads are planning your intervention. And so, he goes through four months. It culminates on February 1st, 97. I showed up at his house another day to hang out with him. He comes running out the front door, screaming at me at the top of his lungs, Corey, it's heaven or hell. Corey, it's heaven or hell. You have to make a decision right now. 
I back up and go, what's going on? He goes, give your life to Jesus. I go, no, I'm not giving my life to Jesus. I'm leaving. And it was known that his mom prayed him through a three-day deliverance, breaking the power of the devil off of him. He got saved. He gets saved and I get angry. You don't get saved at 20. You got so much of your life ahead of you. I felt betrayed. So two weeks later, I was still in college barely, and he showed up to me. And he says, let me take you to lunch. And, he's, and he took me to lunch, and he said that, Corey, for those four months, the spirit realm was opened up to me. I was seeing angels and demons. I was seeing what was controlling people. And I could see that you're controlled by real spirits you're not aware of. He says, this freaked me out. I didn't know what was going on. And we were shut up in a little house the last night where the voice of the Lord broke in the middle of the party. And the Lord said, Satan is raising up an army, but I'm raising up an army too, and I'm calling you out tonight. He says, and I want you to go call your friends out. So he's, I just got my second DWI. My license was gone forever. He says, Corey, you will go to hell. Hell is real. Give your life to Jesus. I said, dude, shut up and take me back to school. You know, you were thinking, and then I fell down at the altar, and we got my life. No, I said, dude, shut up. Take me back to school. He drove back to the college, pulled into the parking lot. Right before I got out of the van, I felt a presence I had never felt before. I didn't know what it was. I think I was cussing as he came into the van, but I felt the presence of God move from the right of my body to my left, and I began to shake violently like I was having a seizure. I could see a tug-of-war battle between light and darkness over my soul. And my friend pulled in the back of the parking lot, and he started praying. He goes, in the name of Jesus, I bind the Antichrist spirit. And then I manifested to a chokehold around my throat, and I couldn't breathe. And I tried to get out the name Jesus, but all I could get out was Jesus. So I kept trying to say his name, kept trying to say his name. Jeez, jeez, jeez. He's in my ear screaming, say it, say it, say it. I said, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying can't get it out and finally I took a deep breath with all the power inside of me and screamed Jesus and right when I screamed his name the hold broke off of me and God came and breathed into my mouth I kept saying I've got air I've got air I've got air he jumps out of the van dancing running around the van saying Jericho's come down Jericho's come down after about five minutes, I heard a voice as clear as day coming to my mind. The voice says, get out of the van and get on the pavement and give me your life, your mind. So I jump out of the van, February 18th, 97. College kids running everywhere. And I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, Jesus Christ, I give you my life. I'm yours. And that day I was delivered of everything. I was absolutely saved, delivered, restored baptized in the Holy Ghost, went home that afternoon, sat on my porch swing for two hours, undone by how blue the sky was, how green the grass was, and how loud the birds were. Within a month, I had a drug ring of friends that had encounters like that or bigger than their explosions. I ended up leading my little brother to the Lord who was still in the high school, and he began to go crazy for Jesus in the high school. Over the next six months, we saw half the high school come to Jesus we began to see a church like this begin to host about five meetings a week till three in the morning, and we entered right into a season of revival, into a season of the presence of God, and I got absolutely wrecked with the presence of God. 
I got absolutely wrecked with the presence of God. And I began to connect the dots that what I was experiencing in that move of God was the result of the years and decades of faithful intercessors who were praying and who were beseeching heaven for a breakthrough of God. So I'm a 20-year-old freak right out of the world. And I began to gravitate to my buddy's mom and her friends. And these women, they knew how to pray, and they taught me how to pray. They said, I want to teach you about early morning prayer. I want to teach you about late night prayer. You don't need your favorite song on before you start praying. You got the Bible in tongues, and you can begin to lay hold of God. Young people, you will never have more time to go after God than you do right now. It don't get any easier than right now. And if you can't do it now, you'll never do it then. All we want you to do is just keep your room clean, make decent grades, and be nice. Just be nice. If you can do those things, that'll take you far. That'll buy you 13 hours a day of free time. What could you do if you begin to sow five, six hours a day in prayer, in the Word, Bible studies, evangelism? If you begin to grow in the things of God, what would it look like that by the time you're 18 years old, you've got a deep history in God? You know the Bible. You've got a spirit of prayer on you. We need Daniels again in a Babylonian culture. We need Daniels. Daniel, think about this. Daniel was exiled around 16 years old, 15 years old. Taken from Jerusalem, taken all the way to Babylon, which is Iraq. So, 1,000 miles. And he was placed in a completely, taken away from his parents, his family, his nation, all of his comforts. He was placed in a different nation. And the Bible tells us that three times a day, he would set his heart towards Jerusalem. And he would begin to pray. Which means this, a 16-year-old exiled out of everything had enough history in God that knew how to pray when brought into a foreign country. Think of military invasion hit this nation, God forbid, but that you're exiled from your home, from all your friends, and you're taken away a thousand miles. Do you have enough reality in God right now to hit the ground in that other nation and begin to say, I'm going to seek God. I'm going to begin to go after him. I'm going to press into him. I want to know Daniel's parents. I love this, run this town. I love the name of this conference. I've been absolutely wrecked. I've been giving myself to prayer For the last 25 years, I believe the seat of prayer. I love the Matthew 9 verse that's over this conference. First off, Jesus saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. Okay? He saw and he was moved. We want to get Jesus' eyes again. Here's a prayer. I want you to start praying. Jesus, give me your eyes. When you get his eyes, you'll get his heart. Give me your eyes. When he saw them, when he saw them, They were weary and scattered. That word means literally harassed by demons. They were harassed. And Jesus brings the disciples into his heart. And he goes, guys, look at all this. Look at this generation. The harvest truly is plentiful. 
The issue is not the needs. The issue is there are very few that know what to do with it. And I would tell you right now, we need more than just a, we just need more than just volunteers. Jesus says, I need you to know there's very few people that know how to reap the harvest, then know how to disciple the harvest into the things of God. There are a few laborers, and what does Jesus tell us to do, saints? Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest. He doesn't tell us to go. He tells us to pray. Listen. Now you got to understand what I'm saying. I believe prayer and the life of prayer is the cocoon by which God begins to form a laborer. He begins to form his heart on the inside of you. He begins to give you his eyes, give you his zeal, give you his words, and that in due time and in time, he begins to send you forth as an anointed laborer in your high school, your junior high, your family. Some of y'all are going to get anointed and you're going to start serving mom and dad. You're going to start moving in the opposite spirit and come out of your room. You're going to take that frown off your eyes and off your face and you're going to begin to bless your brother and your sister. Let's get radical. No, I'm just, let's get radical. It looks like you taking your little sister on walks instead of just ignoring her during her awkward years. While you just forgot you were just there. That's what it looks like. Saying, Mom, I want to pour into my little sister. Many of y'all are looking for disciples. you got a seven-year-old little sister who idolizes you. Do you understand that a couple of the words out of your mouth can form her? can speak identity into her and that you have access that even mom and dad don't have. I want you to take on the form of a brother or a sister. Begin to move in an opposite spirit. This is what it looks like. He wants to give you his eyes. He wants to give you his heart. He wants to make you an intercessor for your mom and your dad. That their God would touch their marriage with fire. And we begin to release a spirit of revival again in the home. Do you understand who you are in your home and the fire you've received? You come into your home tonight or tomorrow or whenever you go home and you begin to say, I'm going to build an altar in my room and I'm going to see revival touch my family. I'm going to see fire touch my parents' marriage again. I'm going to see love between the siblings again. This is what it looks like. wants to set you on fire afresh. I love what Pastor Chris was hitting on last night with Isaiah 6. Whoa, low, go. We need a woe, we need a low, and we need a go. But what did he see? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. you got to see someone. I'm here to tell you, you can ride off the ways of this conference for about a month, but you're going to need to see someone to sustain you for the coming season. You've got to have a perpetual seeing of someone with the Bible open and your spirit open and the place of prayer. I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple and I heard seraphim sing to one another, holy, holy, holy. 
Holy, Lord God of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. What did Isaiah say when he heard the seraphim with undefiled speech proclaim the beauty of God? Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Was he saying he had a cussing problem? No. What was he saying? After hearing heaven's witness concerning Jesus, I don't know who I'm talking about. And before God opens your mouth, he will shut your mouth. You won't be entrusted with holy words that actually penetrate until God has undone you and wrecked you and destroyed you with the revelation of his son. When eyes get open, lips get exposed. When eyes get open, lips get exposed. He wants to release the spirit of revelation on you. I'm telling you, spirit of revelation on you. Spirit of revelation on you. Do you know the disciples, some believe that John the Beloved was as young as 13 years old? How many 13-year-olds we got in here? Most of the disciples were 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. And Jesus turned the world upside down with teenagers. You ain't got junior Holy Spirit. You ain't got little Holy Spirit. You ain't playing kids games. God takes you serious. God takes the choices you make serious. God, you're not just some little kid getting through life and waiting until you get older to do stuff. God says, will you lay hold of me right now? Will you make covenant with me right now in this season of your life? Watch what I'll do with you. Begin to give me, give me an hour every day. Give me an hour every day in your room. Wake up before school. Stay up late at night and begin to wrestle with me in the place of prayer. If you'll sow your teenage years to God, you'll reap dividends in your 20s and your 30s and your 40s and your 50s. I'm not playing. Spirit of revelation. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And when you get a woe, then the angel came and released the low. This has touched your lips. God initiated cleansing. And then God initiated commissioning. Everybody ever heard of Revelation 4 before? Everybody say Revelation 4. All right, I want that chapter tattooed on your spirit. I want you bleeding it. I want you saying it without reading it because you've read it so many times. Revelation chapter 4, I'm going to give you something tonight. Y'all want it? Draw me away and let us run together. You won't run until you've been drawn. Running begins with intimacy. You've got to be drawn away into the heart of God, and then you run with him. You're drawn into his heart, and you run with him. Are you with me? 
It's one thing. I love it. Get set on fire right now. I'll tell you the miracle. I'm 45, and I'm on fire. And I'm not, it's not because I'm loud. It's not because I'm charismatic. It's because I looked at the man with the eyes of fire this morning. And there's a fire on the inside of me. Fire's not a personality type. It's not an Enneagram type. Fire's not a personality. It's not a gifted speaker. Fire's a person. His name is God. I know some of the quietest people in the world, they're on fire. That woman right there is on fire. That mom right over here, right on fire. Youth pastor's wife, what's your name? You. Allie. Allie's on fire. She got a sweet, quiet spirit. Oh, but she's got a deep devotion to Jesus. She got a deep devotion to Jesus. That's the stuff you want to go after. I saw a door standing open in heaven. And a first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here. Come up here. God wants to call you out of religion. He wants to call you out of shame. He wants to call you out of bondage. We're not putting band-aids, guys. We're going to cure the longing of your spirit this weekend by connecting you to the source. We're not going to give you a memory to last a month. We're going to connect you into an Alaskan pipeline called the throne room. Every one of you are made for the throne room. This is your home. This is the place. This is the place where God delivers you from all the other illusions and delusions and fantasies that Hollywood seeks to feed you on, that all the apps seek to deceive you on. There's a realm of beauty and a realm of fascination and a realm of glory that will deliver you from every other image, from every other illusion, from every other voice. There's a place. It's called the throne room. And it ain't waiting for you when you die. You can go there now. Let's go. I saw a door standing open in heaven. I saw a door. Look up at the sky. I saw a door standing open in heaven. I don't see the door. God's going to touch the eyes of your heart. You're going to start seeing the door. I saw a door standing open in heaven. First voice which I heard, it was the voice of Jesus saying, come up here. I speak that to your spirit. Come up. Come up to a new place. You're not going to get a memory and keep living the way you've lived before. Everything changes tonight. Everything changes. Immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven. And one set on the throne. And he who sat there. Shine like Jasper. Burns like Sardius. Emerald rainbows surrounding him. Do you know that our God is absolutely brilliant? He is beautiful. He is glorious. God shines. No, no, listen. There's a lot of darkness in our world. But God is light. And the light overpowers the darkness. 
John 1 says, and light and the darkness could not comprehend or overcome the light. God shines. Everybody say, God, you shine. God is beautiful. He dwells in unapproachable light. He wraps himself with light. He is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God shines. You know what it says about the new Jerusalem? There's going to come a city down here one of these days. Do you know that? Do you know heaven's coming to earth? We're not going to go float up there like a bunch of fat babies and disembodied spirits. Heaven's coming to earth. The new Jerusalem is going to descend to the earth as a bride for her bridegroom, is what Revelation 21 and 22 say. You need to check out Revelation 21 22. I know a lot of you guys, you want to know about the book of Revelation. You want to know about the end times. It ends with a city coming out of heaven. Do you know that that city is from here to Kansas City in width? That's a big city. 1,500 miles wide. 1,500 miles high. 1,500 miles. And the Bible says, that there'll be no need for the sun or the moon in the city, for the Lamb will be the light of the city. God will light up the whole city with Himself. He'll light it up with Himself. He is light. He shines. But God is not only shining, God is burning. God is flame. God is passion. He's not indifferent. He's not stoic. He's not void of emotion, he's flame. He's a consuming. When he made covenant with Abraham, it was a burning oven and a smoking torch. When he showed up to Moses, it was a burning bush. When he showed up to Samson's mom, it was a flame of fire. Isaiah saw the coals from the altar. Ezekiel said, I saw a man on a throne. From his waist down, he's on fire. And from his waist up, he's on fire. Hold on. I'm not done. John the Baptist said, I got a water baptism ministry. Him, he'll baptize you with Holy Ghost and? Which means he's getting up in your business. I can clean the outside. He's getting in. Fire doesn't stay on the outside with plastic smiles and hallelujahs. Fire gets within. Fire's jealous. Fire's going to rearrange the inside of the cup to make it look like the outside. Fire confronts. Fire conforms. Fire judges. Fire refines. Fire consumes. Fire tenderizes. Who wants the fire of God loosed on the inside of you? Set me as a seal upon your heart. As a seal upon your heart. Love is as strong as death. Jealousy is cruel as the grave. Its flames are flames of fire. A most vehement flame. There is a seal of divine love. Hear me, young people. There is a fiery seal that God wants to place over your heart. And it's the anointing to receive God's love and to love God with all of you. 
all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. There's a fire that the waters of this culture can't put out. There's a fire that temptation can't put out. There's a fire that persecution can't put out. There's a fire TikTok can't put out. There's a fire that Snapchat can't put out. There's a fire. We're not gritting our teeth saying, I want to, I want to, I want to, but I got to stay true to Jesus. No, there's a fire that says, why would I sell my birthright for a bowl of soup? I'm made to burn in the presence of God. Luke 12, Jesus said, I came to send fire. On the road to Emmaus, their hearts were on fire. On the day of Pentecost, it was tongues of fire. And in Revelation 1, he has eyes of fire. And if the eyes are the window to the soul, what does Jesus' interior life look like? That man's on fire. He's flame, he's passion, he's intense, and he's focused. He ain't going to share you with anybody. He's not into multiple boyfriends. He's not into polygamy. He is a focused bridegroom. He will have you for himself. He purchased you with his royal blood. He purchased you that you would love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. You know why? Because he loves you with all of his heart with all of his soul, with all of his mind, and all of his strength. God doesn't ask you to do something for him that he hasn't already done for you. He loves you with all of his heart. How about this? and flame you. I don't care how jacked up your past is. You're not a victim. And you know what? And even if you've been through some stuff, the Bible says that in all points, Jesus was made like us. Do you know there's only been one woman in history that's had the Holy Spirit brood over her virgin womb and she conceived? That's only happened once. Do you know what the accusation over Jesus' life was that he had to endure? Nobody knows who your dad is. How about that one? You're illegitimate. You don't even know who your dad is. That's what they were saying in John 8 when they were saying, we know who our father is. They're implying you don't. Jesus goes, yeah, I know your dad. He's the devil. Jesus told the most religious people in the world, their dad is the devil. He ain't just sitting over here with kumbaya, Jesus. Jesus is intense. He's gangster, man. He's intense. He says hardcore stuff. Jesus. 
He's fire. You are made to dwell in the fire. But I want to tell you this. Everybody look with me. I know we're going in tonight, but this is how I like having fun. Listen. Do you know there's a rainbow surrounding the throne of God? Do you know God relates with us through the lens of mercy? God loves mercy. You know what mercy is? God's kindness towards you. God's tenderness with you. Because God is the most intense person in the whole wide world, and at the same time, the most tender. See, I have, my journey has been learning tenderness, because I got fire when I got saved. So I've been learning tenderness. Jesus is perfect in all of it. And he relates with you through mercy. And you know what Micah says? He delights in showing mercy. Which means this, when you come to him to repent for that sin, he doesn't say, are we still dealing with that? Really? You're still dealing with that? Why don't you get it fixed? Okay, you're forgiven, but my gosh, get on with something else. He actually delights in forgiveness. He delights in showing mercy to people that are in need of mercy. He doesn't endure you. He enjoys you. He actually likes you. And you know what? He formed you in your mother's womb with all of your, all of your idiosyncrasies, all of your weird little things that are unique to you, and he loves those things. Do you know what Psalm 139 says? That God searches you. <laughs> the one he made, he meditates on. You know God meditates on you? He searches you. And it says that his thoughts towards you are more than the sands of the sea. God has billions of thoughts about you. Begin to ask him, Holy Spirit, what do you think about me? Ask him, I dare you. His mercy. His mercy. That's why around the throne of God are 24 thrones. And on them sit elders, and they're robed, throned, and crowned. There's some real dudes up there. You're going to meet them one of these days, but you know what? This is what you look like in Christ Jesus. Are we okay? Kind of, we're starting to drown in here a little bit. We're going to talk about God or not. I promise you, when you get lost in the thoughts of God, all your social media apps will go down this month. You're going to get your report at the end of your weeks and find out, my gosh, you spent five less hours this week on your phone. What happened? Come back to me. And you go, no. No, it ain't working anymore. <clears throat> what was I talking about? 24 thrones. Who in here has given your life to Jesus? Well, can I tell you about what you look like in the presence of God? Nobody sits in the presence of God. Angels flying, angels screaming. There's only one people that sit in the presence of God, you. You are the aristocracy, the ruling class of heaven. 
and you sit in the presence of God on thrones. He seats you in heavenly places. He seats you. He dignifies you. And he doesn't just have you sitting there. He robes you in himself. He robes you in robes of white. Hear me. Jesus does not shop at thrift stores. My wife does. She, was, she goes there about four times a week. We love it. But listen, Jesus doesn't shop at thrift stores, which means this. You don't get secondhand righteousness. Here's a phrase I want you to start telling Abba. I'm as clean in your presence as your son is. Let it, and you got to say it. I don't see nobody writing it down, so you better have good memories. I'm as clean as Jesus is in the presence of Abba. He became sin so that we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I'll tell you this, young people. People who start thinking clean act clean. We try to yell at y'all all the time saying, stop it. I want to. Stop it. I want to. When you change the way you think, you change the way you feel. And when you change the way you feel, you change the way you behave. Because dirty, pe- dirty people who think dirty act dirty. You just don't know how clean you are. So you're throned, you're robed, and then he crowns you. He dignifies you in his presence. What's going to happen when your generation wakes up to who you are in Christ? What's going to happen when you feel cherished in the presence of God? When you feel enjoyed in the presence of God? When you feel desired in the presence of God? You feel pursued in the presence of God? When the eyes of fire are resting on you, little Timmy in your DM doesn't move you anymore. Because you are pursued by the heavenly bridegroom. Why would I waste my time with someone who doesn't know what he's doing? I'm serious. That's how it equates. You don't feel pursued, so you got to be pursued. So anybody that shows any attention touches the longing to be pursued. I'm here to tell you that longing is made by God and it's made for God. And it will only be satisfied in God. And men, that has to touch you too. You have to feel pursued. You have to feel longed for. And that's what satisfies. Delivers you from all the metrics of what a man is. Jesus, come on somebody, what's going to happen when this generation wakes up to who we are in the presence of God? I'll tell you what's going to happen. Lightnings will come back to the church. Thunderings will come back to the church. Voices will come back to the church. God wants to release prophetic roars from your life. Voices proceeding from the throne. Listen, that's run this city. Voices proceeding from the throne. God wants to raise up voices. Some of you will scream it. 
Others will have one-on-one coffees. Others will write about it. Others will make videos about it. Others will do Bible studies about it. Others will sing about it. It's not about in the way God wants to take your unique design and release his voice through you. The issue is about coming up here and connecting him so that when he does manifest through you, it comes forth in power. Some of you will paint it. Others will dance it. God's designed you in a specific way for the voice to come out of your life. It's the spirit of prophecy. It's the spirit of prophecy coming out of your life. All right. Five more minutes. 20. 30 something. There's a seven lamps of fire burning before the, the throne. You notice I haven't been reading my Bible. It's there. When you read it so many times, you don't have to read it anymore. <laughs> you got to read it anymore. Because it's in here. Seven lamps of fire burning, which are the seven spirits of God. What? The spirit has seven spirits. It's Holy Spirit, seven operations. Good. All right. Now, come on, hang with me. There's a sea of glass. Sea of glass. And then it brings us to a crescendo in Revelation 4, verse Six through eight, it says, and there's four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. Four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. And we'll find out in a second, around and within. So front, back, around, within. Their whole being is made up of eyes. 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 And then you look inside of them and there's eyes. God could have come up with any creature. God had a blank slate. He goes, this is what we're going to do. Fill them with eyes. Fill them with eyes. One like a lion. One like an eagle, one like an ox, and one has a face of a man. And the Bible says they do not rest day or night. Saying holy, 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 holy. Hear me, hear me. Now hold on, hold on. They do not rest day or night. They Look, look at me, just hold on one second, just hold on one second. I need y'all to hear this. They've been in the same room with the same person singing the same word forever. Hear me, hear me. Everybody lean in. They've never gotten used to him. (laughs) 
Can I tell you what your greatest issue is? It's boredom. God wants to restore fascination to you. Because fascinated people are the ones who carry the witness. Fascination breeds witness. Fascination breeds witness. We, Acts 4.20, we can only speak those things that we've seen and heard. You have nothing to say unless you've seen someone. And I ain't talking about five years ago. Fascination breeds witness. You want to run this city? You better see that man. You want to run this city? You better see that man. And you better keep seeing that man. You better keep encountering that man. They've been in the same room with the same person. Why God give them all them eyes? Why? Why? To look at him. Why don't they stop? Why don't they stop? Why don't they stop? Exactly right. It's because they never come to the end of the search and the discovery of who he is. He keeps hitting them over and over and over with fresh discoveries of who he is. And they sing holy the 10 billionth time as if they've never sang it at all. And here's the truth. It's because they haven't. Think if you were stuck in a room with, with me for the rest of your life. You're like, oh God. You, would, you could hear my story and we could get to the pretty much basis of our whole life in about 45 minutes to an hour. They have been in the same room with the same person and that, this is what they're saying. We are just beginning to get to know you. We are just beginning to get to know you. That's the spirit of revelation. Is when the thing you thought you've seen a hundred times hits you with a two by four showing you you ain't seen nothing yet. Who's ever been reading your Bible and say, I've never seen that before? Take that, multiply it by a billion forever. And yet you've been reading that verse a thousand times. That's the spirit of revelation. How do you feel in that moment? You're scary. There ain't nothing impossible in that moment. There ain't nothing you won't do in that moment. That's the power of revelation. And yet we've sold out for boredom of religion. It checks off boxes and says, you've arrived. You're in. You got Jesus, check. You've been baptized in the Spirit, check. You're awesome, check. And I'm here to tell you, you're in a paddle boat and he's the Pacific Ocean. You're at the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the blue 
ocean called the revelation of Jesus. And you will forever see blue. Forever. And God's going to deliver this generation from inferior pleasures. The power of revelation delivers you from inferior pleasures. Let me show you what holiness looks like. Big smiles saying, why would I waste my time on the inferior when I drink deep of the superior pleasures of being loved by God? It's not gritting your teeth. It's not trying to say no. It's, I am drinking from a fountain that never runs dry. <laughs> and you get weird. And you got a twinkle in your eye that says there ain't nothing in this world that can scratch the itch for what I'm made for. I got eternity dwelling on the inside of me. Stand up, stand up. inferior pleasures melt away it's happy holiness <laughs> hallelujah 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 all right put your hands over your eyes we're going to give a we're going to give our eyes to Jesus Jesus is into eye contact do you know that that's prayer it's just eye contact Hallelujah. All right. You know, Jesus has eyes of fire. Let's repeat this prayer after me. Just say, Jesus.